Welcome to the Masters of Comic Books podcast, where we're two fanboys with all the power. I'm your player one, Cole L. And I'm your player two, Dayspray. We are finally recording. It's been way too long. I haven't seen your beautiful, beautiful face in so long. Stop it. I haven't seen your beautiful face in like, how long has it been? It's been like over 10 days or something like that. Too long. That's how long it's been. Too long. <laughs> and it's so funny. There, there's so many comic book stuff that have happened since we last spoke. I mean, like the Hawkeye finale, Spider-Man hit a billion dollars. Yeah, that's I'm crazy. Reading, uh, I did, did we talk about Inferno 3? I don't, I don't know if you even spoke about Inferno 3, but like... I, so much oh end of trial of magneto and so much i've wanted to talk to you about yeah so much stuff has happened in just the last 10 days since we last spoke i don't even remember what has happened because like so much has like occurred like i've just been trying to keep up with everything and then it's just been nuts okay but like i was like when i was when i went on vacation i was like you know i'm gonna take it easy these next couple weeks like people at marvel need to take a vacation they're not gonna release anything and even today as of this recording which is december 30th aka spider palm's birthday they (laughs) released the preview pages for saber tooth one and i'm like does the marvel publicity not take like a vacation like well, no. I mean, this week was, I, I think they only had like six books come out and I think like only like three of them were good. So, <laughs> well, listen, li- I, there was a time years ago, Grandpa Dayspring here is going to tell you about a time <laughs> when it was the week of Christmas or the week of New Year's and they would release no books. Like it was like zero books being released. Maybe you had reprints or some issues that just had mm-hmm. like a weird schedule, but for the most part, it was quiet. I don't know how it's been in the recent years, but I was wondering if they were going to do that sort of this year. But I can, uh, well, because like DC, they released, I read like 10 of their books that came out this week, which was nuts. And I th- they had way more over that too. But like DC, uh, not DC, Marvel had like five books, I think. And so I was wondering if they were going to like have no books released this week or just have very few. I mean, they had the timeless issue that like teases what's going to happen next year which Marvel did. Did you have a chance to check that out or see what any of the specials that came out for that? No, no, I don't mind spoilers, especially mm-hmm. since we're recording for folks at home, but um, I, I did not get a chance to read it. It is in my queue to read, but I have, I dude, I have become obsessed with nineties Namor, the mm-hmm. John Byrne run. I have been knee deep into that. That's all I've been reading for like the last like week and a half. Nice. I've been reading some old Spider-Man um, from Actually, by Kurt Busiek called... I got the omnibus for Untold Tales of Spider-Man, which I just finished a few days ago. Really? Very, very good. Um, It just... It takes place, like, as if it was in, like, the 60s. But it's just, like... It's, like, little fill-in gaps between, like, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 and stuff like that. It's so cool. Like, Kurt Busiek even introduced, like, some really, like, villains that you've never heard of before. Like, there's, like... I mean, they've probably been in the... Uh, comics before but you have like scarecrow or like scorcher and stuff like that but it's it's really fun i mean if you have trouble reading like really old comics from the 60s i would say untold tales is a great way to understand who spider-man was and how peter parker acted and how he was treated when he was first spider-man i love that and i think they they've done untold tales of the x-men i love that series as well 
Um, they've done like X-Men first class, like all those kind of things. And I love revisiting that era and make, because some of like the younger or younger, like the earlier (laughs) comics there, it's so hard to get through just because I think of the mentality that everyone's comic is their first comic. So there's so much repetition in the narrative and it kind of like boggles you down and some of like the writing, it's just really antiquated. But to your point, I think a lot of those reissues are so good. Well, too, it, yeah, and it was really cool, too, because Pat Olive, I think, drew it, too, and it made it look like it literally came from the 60s. It was really cool to read and everything. So if you haven't read that, I highly recommend you check that out. I'm here for it. I am so here for that. Yeah, plus Kirby is a great writer. Oh, and I said um, Untold Tales of X-Men, but it's actually The Hidden Years. Ah, X-Men, The okay. Hidden Years. There we go. Th- those were some fun stories. We, I can do an entire podcast if you with that. But <laughs> I love that. I'm actually going on Amazon right now to add that to my list because, as you know, my Spider-Man history, like, I love Spider-Man. I watched the show growing up. You know, I, I, I read the major crossovers. Maximum Carnage is probably one of my favorite crossovers to just, like, always revisit. Yeah. And I still don't know enough about the character, you know? So... I'm definitely putting that on my Amazon list as we're talking right now. <laughs> Maybe we should start doing a big read, read, or I guess read for you first time and then reread for me. So I am look, I'm dying to revisit spider or visit Spider-Man. I, the one I want to read more than anything is the clone saga. I know it's a mess. I know it's bullshit. <laughs> I know editorially it's everywhere, but I am dying to go that. And, and also some of the greatest hits Spider-Man blue. The Jeff Loeb one, I love that one. I mean, I think like in retrospect, when I was like thinking about it, you know, when I was, um, re- even when I was reading it, there were some parts of it I was like, Meh. but was it Tim Sale? Tim, Tim Sale, Sale did the art book? Tim Sale drew it and Jeff Loeb did the um, yeah. writing. Because he did a bunch of those with Marvel. Because wasn't there like a Captain America White and Hulk Gray yeah. and something like that? But yeah, there's some great Spider-Man titles that I'd love to revisit. Like if there, if this be my destiny is probably one of my favorite uh, titles. It's like number 31 to 33 or something like that. It's where Spider-Man like it because uh, Homecoming actually took the scene right from that comic when he lifts the debris up and everything. That's from that storyline and everything. It's so awesome to read. It's like I, Stanley I, Ditko, I think, too. I haven't read it. I'm down to read it. I'm also down to read the issues where him and Nate Gray are hashtag BFFs. So, you know, I, I'm here for revisiting Spider-Man. Maybe that's something we can we can talk about in the future. Oh, maybe we're teasing for something. <laughs> but, you know what? Let's do this last episode of 2021 for Masters of Comic Books and get down to it. We're here yeah! for the Hawkeye finale. And we're also going to do a quick ranking of our favorite MCU titles that came out this year. Plus some <laughs> That's of our favorite adorable comics. that you said quick. Sorry, I cut you off. No, you're fine. <laughs> I always say quick because I try to put it back in my head to keep things simple. But sometimes I over uh, discuss things a little bit or over describe them. So. Uh, I, listen, when it comes to Hawkeye, uh, I love the series. I wasn't wild about the last episode. I think that's kind of the problem that's been with all these Disney Plus titles, though. It, I, I like. I, this might be my favorite finale out of all of them, which isn't saying much, but it. I think what it ultimately did an excellent job in is the character development and all the character 
moments within the show, which I think this finale did a great job in by kind of keeping that same, uh, what's the right word? Just like that same idea of like partnership between uh, Clinton, Kate. And, but I think even though this kind of just finishes up in it, like a last big action sequence and stuff like all the other shows, I think it did a great job in the character development though. And I liked all the character dynamics between everyone involved, even just involving Kingpin, like just literally at the last second. But one thing it does one thing it does struggle from, I think, is way too many stories, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i trying to pinpoint what I didn't like about the finale. Because in theory, there is a lot of, like, good stuff here. It just mm-hmm. felt very middle of the road. I think, like, I agree with what you said. I think there was just too many balls in the air for for an adequate resolution to sort of be delivered to like the viewers. I, I, I don't mind that on the surface. I just think like the fight with Yelena, for example, I was like, Between why Clinton is Yelena? Yelena? Yeah. yeah. I was like, why are they fighting? Yelena knows this is his best friend, her best friend. You mm-hmm. know, he, she surely must know she would, she, she would give Hawkeye the benefit of the doubt. I thought she was hired for the hit and you know, she has to pay for it. And like, the fact that he was somehow involved in his sister's death, all the more sweet, but like, I don't know. That's like, I, I'm trying to think about, that's like if Peyton came after me, cause you died, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and wouldn't he be like, Hey, you were really good friends with my brother. What happened before I execute you? What the fuck happened? And why True. wouldn't, why wouldn't, why is not Russian it, though? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want you to know if the tables were returned, Ryan would do a Russian accent and murder you. <laughs> you know what? I would accept it because I feel like that'd be entertaining. I would yeah, say I'll accept I accept my fate. <laughs> <laughs> he, he will make it a whole production. But I just I don't understand why Yelena gave him the benefit of the doubt. And the fact that he did the whistle of the like I thought that was a really nice callback, but it was like really that's what finally makes you stop. Like, of course he knows about the whistle. Like, how does that somehow prove that he did, wasn't responsible for her death, which is what she is after yeah. in this situation. She thinks he somehow killed her. It just, it was a weird resolution that I didn't quite digest. Like, I don't mind that Yelena was coming after Hawkeye. I like that story, but I would have liked it to have been a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more weight to it, if that well, kind of makes sense. Well, that's the problem. She was, excuse me. That's the problem. She was introduced, what, at the end of episode four, right? Yeah. And so you only have two episodes to really, you just opened up a whole other conflict in in the middle of a show that has only two episodes left. And don't get me wrong. I think Florence Pugh did a great job in her acting. Her chemistry with Haley Steinfeld and her is just spot on. Yes. Chef's kiss. But it's just, it's too much. And what really sucks is I feel like a lot of the spotlight went away from Echo because I know she's getting her own show and she was one of my favorite additions into this show. And I wasn't expecting that she was going to be in Hawkeye, but it sucked because a lot of the focus went away from her and they tried to tie up her story a little too fast as well. You know? Okay. The thing with Echo, I really love echo in this series me too i've come i i've i have come to accept that she has the phoenix force in the comics and the crazy gene gray standing me it's like only gene can have the phoenix but fine 
if we're not going to have Gene have the Phoenix, I'm okay with Echo now having the Phoenix because the character is just so wonderful. The actress who plays her, I mean, oh my God, the casting is spot on. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Echo is suffering from these situations that caused me as a fan to go crazy, like giving her the Phoenix Force. I'm like, ah! And now she, I know this is ripped straight out of the comics, but you know her shooting Kingpin in the face. I'm like, but we just got him in here. And now you're going to tease that he's dying. I didn't like that. And I don't know if it's just because it makes me uneasy as a viewer because we've gotten burned so many times when they introduce a character and it's a promise for something bigger and it never really comes to fruition. This mm-hmm. is more true to like pre-MCU stuff. Yeah. But I was like, I don't want Kingpin, I don't want the story to be left dangling of Kingpin may or may not be dead. Like I want Kingpin to be out there being a force of nature. And I want Echo, of course, to be coming for him. And I don't know. I just it I didn't like that scene. But I, I think everything with Echo up until that point has been wonderful. I even think if it had been any other character but Kingpin, I think it would have been a wonderful ending to her arc in the series. Yeah. I don't it's kind of bittersweet how they did that, of how they had Echo shooting Kingpin or whatever. Um, because it it kind of does like the classic comic book trope of like where they uh, move the camera and you just hear the gunshot and whatever. So it's like, oh, did he make it or not? So it's like one of those like golden age, silver age comic book tropes or whatever. But to just bring him back and then to tease him killing off, I feel like is very stupid. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like the the excitement is that he's here in the MCU and now he's going to be a major threat. Again, it's not like some no name character. This is the kingpin. Mm-hmm. And and so that's what kind of made me uneasy. But it's exactly what you just said to tease his return and then to tease his death. It's a little too much for me. It's as too viewer. fast. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like if you had introduced him in episode one and like maybe we could have gone in a couple episodes with him and then he, you know, somewhat perishes here tease like that's fine but like we've only had him for like one episode and it just makes me really it just made me really uneasy i know in the comic books he's fine i know this is a scene straight out of the comic books mm-hmm. and you know he's fine in the panels but i just again i wish we would have we we just saw matt in spider-man no way home and now we have him here i wish we would have seen more of a larger setup for daredevil and, and maybe that's what i was kind of expecting but again yeah. it suffers because it is one of the netflix heroes you know, or Netflix properties who are in here now and we're so excited for it and we love it and it kind of threw me off. But, you know, that I think that was like a really, I think that scene in particular was a nail in my coffin. And I will kind of disagree with you on it being like a trope if they did or didn't die. I think in some movies, classic movies, the camera turns away and the person's dead. They shoot them and the person is dead. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like for me, that was like, like my dad, like we watched Hawkeye with my dad, who's like obsessed with Jeremy Renner. Oh my god, so upset. He has like a man crush on Jeremy Renner. He's good looking. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> he did a movie. Uh, Jeremy Renner did a movie with Elizabeth Olsen. I'm forgetting what it was. It was called, but it's like a murder mystery one. And my dad's like, "We need to watch this right now because Hawkeye <laughs> and Scarlet Witch are in it." Dad, yes. <laughs> but my dad my dad thought kingpin was dead you know mm-hmm. what i mean like and and that's kind of like and i don't want to play that game of like is the character dead or not i want the character to be established and a threat well yeah and the it's just like how i said before the downside is like you brought him back last episode and then you kill him off at the end next episode almost like the same spot it's it's just it's very weird how do you think vincent 
uh, I can't pronounce his last name very well. Uh, but how do you think he translated that character from the Netflix show to uh, the more like not as mature audience? Like, how do you think he was able to like, how, what are your feels on how he trans I, transitioned that? I don't know. Yeah, so here's the thing that like, I'm trying to also rectify in my head, like Matt being in Spider-Man No Way Home felt big. Like, it felt like such a big thing and such a big deal. Vincent being here, I, it felt smaller than I probably wanted. And though they say, like, oh, he's our big threat. Like, when you have an Avenger being like, this is a boss, this is someone we need to watch out for, it's supposed to establish them as a larger threat. He didn't feel like a large threat to me. So in terms of the character, he felt more, like, I guess because we got to see his climb in Daredevil seasons one through three. But here, I, I know he's already supposed to be established. He just didn't feel that menacing to me. I don't know. That's just, like Yelena felt like more of a menacing threat. Mm -hmm. That being said, though, I think he translated nicely. I want to, I think it's more positioning with the character. I don't think it was any of the acting. I think like Vincent like nails this role. Vincent was born to, more, to play this role. Oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, there's no so, way they could have replaced him when they brought him in the MCU. If they did, I would have. I would have rioted. <laughs> I just think I need to see him in a Chrysler building behind a desk, you mm -hmm. know, managing crime in New York. But and I'm, that's the I, thing too. It feels like too little for him to be the boss of something called the track suit mafia. I mean, yeah, that's a really valid point. Very valid point. Like it just in like where he was meeting Echo in like the like just like a uh, like a repair shop for cars and stuff. It just didn't feel menacing enough or anything i really hope he's the one that did if they're gonna go like very if he's gonna be like an avenger love avengers level threat or just be very uh, what's the right word just like i guess threatening i would love to see him have purchased like the avengers tower to him sort of like really like because i think he, vincent even said in like a tweet or whatever or just like in in, in an interview he was saying as if he was playing the role as if he as if Kingpin did get dusted during the blimp and he lost everything that he had control of. And now he's kind of trying to build that back up again, which I would love it from it starting. With, yeah. And I love it for him for that to start out, like with him getting Avengers tower. Like now he has like this big ass tower that basically watches over New York. And now he's like, almost like in this control, like in the center center of everything. Like, I feel like that'd be really cool to like really build up. And and it sucked that we just barely got any of that or anything in episode six. I mean, we don't, I don't know what the future is for Kingpin or anything like that. So I'm not going to be too critical. It just, it's yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to be even a little pesado now, which is Spanish for obnoxious. Like I would have rather them have shown Kingpin blip away than Yelena. Because that, what you just said, makes so much more sense to me. And now I can start wrapping my head as to like where Kingpin is in a post-glip world. But, you know, let's see. Let, let, let's wait and see. Listen, I, they, they can't give it all away in, in a series yeah, called yeah, yeah. They, they can't give it all away. I'm sure in Echo or the rumored Daredevil series, they will tackle all of this. So, well, and yeah, I mean, we can't lose away the focus of what the show really is, and it's for Clint and Kate. And we haven't even talked about them yet. 
Okay, what did you think of Kate's like story coming to fruition and everything with her mom? I really actually liked it. I, what I really loved is just how this finale really cements the partnership between Kate and Clint, like very well. Like, like right from the start of the finale, Clint calls Kate his partner, which I really loved. Like he was like, "I'm your partner. We're gonna do this together." And like, calm down. We got this. And I also loved how like Kate explains the core of what makes Hawkeye basically worthwhile while they're because mm-hmm. they were creating those uh, trick arrows all together. I love that moment. I thought that was really sweet. And it, I, I love Kate. I really do. So I love Kate. I, I the elevator scene with oh, with her in a, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I need a series of just those two. When Yelena's like, "I, oh, what did you do that for?" I yeah, do floor cues. That like, really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it because you know what? Stop making the me way, like you. <laughs> yeah, it's just the way those two actors have chemistry. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it shows and, and you can tell them being playful with each other. And I think I would love to see them team up officially later down the road. You know, I, I thought Kate's mom, you know, I think she had I think Eleanor had a cold read on Kate when she was here. Like, so this is what heroes do. Arrest her mom on Christmas Eve. I'm like. You fair enough. I know, I, but like. It's interesting to see, like, apparently her father was the one that was involved with all this crime with Kingpin, which I thought that was interesting, too. I wish we could have gotten a little more of that instead of just sort of a throwaway line. Like, that's why I got involved with this or anything. But I do like that. I I hope that gets expanded into more just a little bit. But, yeah, you know. Well, I just, like, the thing with that, it's because, like, I, I can't help be, I mean, I'm old enough where I identify with the parents in shows, but I'm like, this kid who hated my fiance, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. was doing everything to break us apart. And then I finally framed him, you know what I mean? To get yeah. him out of our lives. And now you're going to call the police on me because I framed him. Like, cause now you're a hero. Like I've been like, damn, I should have just, you know, used a condom back in like whatever your kid was born. Um, <laughs> I just like, I know, no, I I take that back because I love Kate. I mean, regardless of that outcome with, uh, with Eleanor, I I think Kate is the best thing that's happened in the MCU in a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is a breakout star as far as I'm concerned. I just, you know, I, I think it was really cute at the end when they all went together for Christmas. And that was a beautiful moment. And the watch. Motherfucker. You called it. Watch. She is Mockingbird, or I mean, they don't outwardly say it, but she's well. Like, it says it's Agent it's, it's Agent Nineteen. It's Agent Nineteen on the. It 19. says Nineteen on the watch with the shield logo and everything, and yeah. so that's like, of course, hinting at that she was the original Mockingbird. Which I wonder if that made anybody huge fans of the original Agents of Shield any mad or not. So. Are there are there fans of Agents of Shield? Possibly. <laughs> I do know um, Adrian. I'm forgetting her last name. Who played? mockingbird on the series was well received i mean regardless really of what regardless of how it is now i stopped watching then, about the time when she ended up leaving the show but i really liked i really liked her tonight dynamic with another character i can't remember at all but she did a really great job in the show yeah well she i i think a lot of people dropped off agents of shield after she left and she was supposed to get her own spinoff which by the way the actress also did a wonder woman 
TV show pilot and that did not get picked up. Oh yeah. Didn't, I feel like I knew that too. Or we talked about that recently too. So no okay. shade, no shade on Adrian Palaki, but like, you know, I think we all want uh, Laura to, to be the original Mockingbird given her history with, with Clint in the MCU and, and in the comics. So, you know, I don't, we'll see where it goes. You know, how I did like in this episode was a uh, Tony Dalton swordsman. Oh, yeah. I loved his sword, his sword fighting. He like, it's interesting how in the beginning of the series he seemed like the like the bad guy, like he was going to be the really bad guy. But it turns out he's just he actually really does care about the Bishop family. Because when he was when Eleanor like framed him or whatever, he he like said, "I will come back" or whatever. But I think I just loved his appearance in this and his sword fighting against the tracksuit mafia with Kate and everything. I thought was really cool. Okay, but how many like? issues does he have that like his fiance accused him of murder sent him to jail he had to get bailed out by a family member and then he still shows up at the holiday party with a sword mind you like i'm sorry he has so many fucking issues that that took me out there and i don't understand what the purpose of him in the end was because i know he joins the fight and you know and he has his sword and everything and that's true to who he is in the comics but i was just like i I just wouldn't have shown up. I'm like, okay, I guess my, I guess my engagement is broken off now. Bye. Like, yeah, I don't know. But I get it, it. It, it. I guess it's just that family connection. I guess he may not never had before. I don't know. Like he has like this. Oh, that's Armand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, true. and his fiance killed his uncle. I mean, yeah. and I know he didn't like his uncle, but still, I mean, I have family <laughs> members I don't like, but if someone killed them, I'd be a little sore about it. Yeah. Just a little mad about it. They're just not too just happy. A little, little mad. Like, but, I know I didn't like him, but damn. <laughs> so this, listen, I, I love Hawkeye. We've talked about it week after week. You know, we'll get into the ranking, but this last episode, I don't think it stuck the landing as much as I would have liked. And, and I do realize a lot of my feelings are subjective. I think objectively, it ended the best way it could. I think the tree falling at Rockefeller, that was wonderful. Ooh, and the little owl in there was actually a reference to an actual owl that had been in the, the tree a couple of years ago that needed rescuing. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. So I like those little nods. Yeah. And I think despite all the little, yeah, despite all the conflicts and storylines that Hawkeye had to tie up, I think it did a decent job in doing so. Uh, for, I mean, of course, it cemented the partnership between Clinton Kate. Eleanor is now in, in prison. Uh, she got arrested. Um, Kingpin is dead or not. Um, Echo is on this whole other path now. And yeah, I mean, it's going to establish her to, I don't know what, uh, did, is it ever explained what her show is going to be about? I don't think it has been. And I'm curious what her show is going to be because like, I don't, I don't know too much of her, the character in the comics. Well, I she would does imagine. have a history with Wolverine, I think, too. So I'm interested how they're going to do that. Bring Wolverine in. Uh, Wolverine, Daredevil. Let, let, I think Daredevil. I think Matt Murdock is supposed is rumored to be in there. And that, I think, will be another springboard. But in terms of her story, with the exception of, you know, the Phoenix, that's all I know of her. But mm -hmm. my final comment, though, and as I'm ruminating on it, I guess Eleanor really does deserve to be in jail because she throws her company holiday party on Christmas Eve. Like, how fucking egotistical is that? Like, as if her employees don't have family they need to be at. She's like, oh, dear, I'm going to throw a holiday party. <laughs> or maybe it was just a family holiday party. I don't know. It's because the, the, Armands were, <laughs> the Armands were there, too. So I don't know. 
I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a company holiday party. Maybe it was just a regular holiday party. I don't, but know. I don't know. I think that's ballsy to throw a party like on the 24th, unless it's for family. But well, if there's nothing you got out of this finale, it's that you should not throw a Christmas Eve party on Christmas Eve. Why would you do that? That's horrible. As someone who has worked events and gigs up until the 23rd, it is sort of an unspoken rule. You do not throw something on the 24th. But maybe this is a friends and family holiday party. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, You're like, I'm so glad this is our season finale. I can't stand this dumb bitch anymore. <laughs> well, I just love how, like, I love this episode, but my one nitpick is that Eleanor threw a party on Christmas Eve. I mean, what the hell is wrong with her? <laughs> No, but that's the entire opposite. I hated this episode. Whatever. <laughs> Moving along. All right. You want to do our MCU ranking now? I'm so excited. To, do we want to start from the bottom up? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm so excited for this. All right. So starting from the bottom up, I don't have Black Widow currently because I still have not watched it. But uh, my, so I guess my last one would be uh, What If. Mine too. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. I start, I enjoyed it at the beginning. I really thought the first few episodes were really good. I enjoyed Captain Carter. I enjoyed, especially T'Challa and Star-Lord. Those were great episodes. But then it just really started, I just started losing interest of, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, the zombies wasn't bad. Um, the I can't even think what else was there. The finale wasn't too bad. The Doctor Strange episode wasn't bad either. It's just I just really started kind of getting bored. I guess it was fun, yeah. but it's hard to it. It's it was uh, the animation was great. I thought the music was great in it too. I enjoyed. I think the voice actors did a great job as well. It was just a really. I mean, there's nothing huge important for this. It was just a fun little thing to tide us over until the next big uh, movie or show. I don't remember what it was in between. But it, it was the weakest out of everything, I think, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I had I have what if at the bottom of my list, because ultimately, I feel like when you pick up an issue of what if in the comic books, it's because it's such an interesting question that you just need to know like what the answer is mm -hmm. for something like that yeah. like i think what if strife killed all of the x-men i think of what if you know phoenix hadn't died and those are such interesting stories and here like i know they're they're you know they they have to play within certain parameters but like something like the zombie episode I just don't think it delivered ultimately. And I think it had good moments, don't get me wrong, but I don't feel it was like what we even get in the comic books. I don't think it built upon what was in the comic books. I think it just kind of took away from it. And ultimately, I just felt like it was a generic fight with a generic ending. And yeah. it paid too much homage to the uh, to the Avengers assembling. So, you know, I just, I wish it would have done its own thing. I also didn't think like the, what were they called? Like, I'm forgetting what the team's name was called. I just don't think they were that interesting in the end. Wasn't it like Guardians of the Multiverse or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's Guardians of the Multiverse. And I listen, you got T'Challa and you got Captain Carter. I love those two. Pull them out of there and give them me, give them to me on another show. Well, Captain Carter, I think, is getting her own comic book next year. So that's really cool. She deserves it. Deserves yeah. it. But yeah, yeah, bottom of the barrel. Sorry. Yeah, and I think my other little conflict with that too is is what's really cool about what if stories is that they're just one offs, and I didn't, I wish they weren't connected. 
this series. Because yeah. it was just like, I, it basically took MCU, but like just with different characters and stuff. And that could be an interesting approach, but that's not what What If is. What If is one-off stories kind of, you know? But there were also like weird one of oh, like what if stories, you know? What I mean, like I one thing that I would have thought like what if Tony Stark died at the end of Avengers one? You know what I mean? That would have been a what. Game, yeah. What if you know Wanda hadn't gone to Westview? You, those are like interesting what ifs to me that played directly into the main narrative of the MCU. These were just like, you know, what if you know what was his name? Yellow Jacket killed all of the you know MCU. Oh, that, yeah, that little like who done it episode like who done it like it just and like what if t'challa had been star lord like again i love that chadwick boseman had come back and voiced the actor mm. it just didn't really something like that was just so far-fetched that it didn't like i would have rather have had like what if killmonger had become king you know i would have rather have had that kind of story that being said though i think i mean they kind of did that just it didn't yeah. it was too quick but i think something like what if you know peggy carter had gone the serum that's a that's a perfect one. I think that's why so many people responded to that because that was an actual thing in the MCU that like profoundly affected it. And it didn't feel so left field, but ultimately I just think they need to be a little bit more, I want to say like more della novella, like more soap opera, high drama. And you have to do that within 30 minutes. It's very difficult to pull off. It does Mm -hmm. well in the comic books because it's a different level of pacing and medium. Yeah. But I mean, I just think here, like, uh, not their best thing. But yeah, yeah so it's I mean, the there's a mind. season two announced. I mean, of course, I'm going to watch it, but I'm not excited for it. So, we'll see. Mm. Um, my next one, though, let me just say it because it's Black Widow. And watch it. This is all you. You didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, you didn't watch it. And look, I think Black Widow, like the first two thirds of the movie, was really good. I was just hoping that we were going to get something a la like Winter Soldier, where it's like a spy thriller mystery. It kind of felt short, and I thought the third act was a total mess. And I think Natasha deserved a better send off than this. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't, I don't think there was anything wrong with what ScarJo did. I don't think the market doesn't need a Black Widow movie. I think we certainly need a Black Widow movie. I wish it would have tied into more of the MCU at that time. Yeah. I really do think she should have gone on a communicator with you know steve and falcon and then like hey guys i'm ready to join you guys and have that little cameo there because that's what people like they love that interconnected tissue of the mcu and it was very much divorced of that and also i think the biggest sin it did here is that for teasing budapest for like over a decade at this point didn't deliver with hawkeye and her like we needed a did really it show nice it did for like a split second when when she's on the com with Hawkeye and he has an uncredited Jeremy Renner has an uncredited cameo because he just mumbles something and that's it, you know. And and Budapest is a location in the movie and and they don't even flash back to what had really uh, what they had done together. So I just I really wanted to love Black Widow. I liked it very much at the time. I gave it a favorable review, but I think in the context of everything, it falls short. The third act is a total mess. I think it is one of the worst third acts in a movie I have ever seen for a movie that had been doing pretty well, in my opinion. The only good thing is of this movie that I'm so happy has sucked through is that we got Yelena. Yelena's wonderful. I think the reason I haven't watched Black Widow is because I, it just, I'm not interested. I love strong female characters. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love that. 
And I love Scar Joe's Black Widow. And I would only watch this movie probably for Florence Pugh. But I think what is really totally unappealing to me for this movie is that it seems just too big action-y, you know? And I feel like they only made it because MCU's um, whole whole line of movies and TV shows is very shy of female leads. And it's only made because they needed a female movie lead, you know? Like, I that's feel- kind of how Captain Marvel kind of felt at the time, too, because Wonder Woman for DC and Warner Brothers came out, I think, think a year or two before that and it dominated and so marvel went to do captain marvel but ultimately failed i i mean i like that movie but it just it felt forced and this almost feels forced as well granted it was delayed a shit ton because of the pandemic and stuff but if black widow would have been that like spy thriller sort of movie like i don't know if you've ever read ed brubaker's um winter soldier with Yeah, with Winter Soldier and Black Widow, that's a great comic. Or take up some of the stuff from Mark Wade and Chris Samney's run of Black Widow. That's a beautiful run as well. And so, I just from the trailers, it looks too action packed, and I and just there isn't that that sort of stealth spyness that I was I want. So that's it was, why I haven't seen it yet. It just wasn't good stealth spyness. Like, the, like was the it in the act- movie at all? Was there any like stealthy spider? It really in wasn't. It? But they, the the movie thought it was doing stealthy spider, especially in the act three. I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't watched it. I know you it don't care, me. but yeah. but like you know the third act with Melina and Natasha switching spots, like ooh, you know what I mean? And it's like really she had an exact red wig in her you know closet that happened to match ScarJo, and like ooh, like it just felt really and like in the end, you know, they have to go up against the red rooms like CEO. And he had pheromones to stop Natasha from hitting him. So Natasha has to like beat herself up in her nose. And I was just like, I really, I want Natasha to punch the shit out of Taskmaster and then come to to the Red Room's headquarters and see it's just this one white dude and be like, really? Punch him and move on. You know what I mean? Like not make it an entire drawn out third act. Like in the grand scheme of things, like this angry white guy should have been something that Natasha would have been like, really? And just like hit him and moved on because it would have it would have sent that message that like that kind of ideology is so antiquated, it's not even worth the time anymore. And instead, that third act just draws out with Natasha and the pheromones and her switching spots. And I was like, Natasha's capable of so much more from a story. It's mm-hmm. kind of like what people said about Wonder Woman 1984, which is like, go pound the shit out of this guy. It, it's fucking Wonder Woman. And I want to see all of that, you know, transpire. That being said. Something like Sailor Moon, I love seeing the power of love saving the yeah. day, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I just think when you're seeing these blockbusters, when I think of making sure that these narratives are all hitting the market on an equal playing field, you want to see Captain America beat the shit out of Bucky. You want to see you know, Thanos versus the Avengers. You want to see those big fights. I think Black Widow didn't really deliver that in the end. I think it had a good message, though. And and I always go back and forth on that because I'm like, you know, sometimes maybe this message is a little too on the nose, but I think given the era we live in, I think, yeah, I guess people do need these messages on the <laughs> nose because, you know, we still have very problematic behavior. So I think Captain Marvel was great. I really like Captain Marvel, um, but I do agree that she probably was a reaction because Wonder Woman had done so well. But to Kevin Feige's credit, 
there had been long rumors that he was getting into a fight with the Disney CEO. Oh, I'm forgetting. Was it Bob Eigner? I'm forgetting mm-hmm. who it was. At the time, it was Bob Eigner, I think. Yeah, Around that I- time. Because he just recently left a year ago, I think. Yeah, he just left. And, 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 and Kevin Feige agreed to do something as long as he got to do Black Widow. Excuse me. As long as he got to do Black Panther and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. So I know. So Kevin Feige had wanted to do those okay. two movies. Like a long time ago. Or a long time ago. But okay, it's you know, just the timing seems convenient. Oh, it does. It all yeah. seems convenient. It all seems but anyways, that's a, that we, we can move on from Black Widow. Man, I, I don't we, think it's, we discussed a movie that I haven't seen for a very long time. <laughs> I don't think to, for the record, I don't think Black Widow is bad, but if I have to stack it against all of these and I have to be hypercritical, that is why for me that is number eight on my list. But we can move on to the next all right, one. All right. So we on number seven then? Yeah, I think it would be number seven. All right, number seven. Number seven for me is Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's not mine. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Falcon and Winter Soldier. I really did. I love Sam's suit, and I love uh, the chemistry between Sam and Bucky, of course. It's just, it didn't land for me too well overall. And yeah, that's basically all I got to say with that. Yeah, I just, I think when I think of, Black Widow and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, what I will say is that I think they failed to deliver on like really big hype. Like I think we all thought Yelena was going to be in Falcon and the Winter Soldier because that's sort of where she should be in terms of genre of where you would put characters like this. Yeah, because it has um, a like, uh, not secret service, but more of a grounded feel, you know? Yeah. And, you know, they go to Madripoor. I think they could have given some X-Men Easter eggs there as well. It doesn't have to be directly mutant related. But, you know, and I know we got like the princess bar and stuff like that. But I think they could have done a little bit more in terms of delivery. I think there is a lot with Sharon Carter. I didn't like how she was the shadow broker, though. I just don't like that. Yeah. I I mean, of course, it's going to ultimately lead up to something else. But that reveal, I'm just like not really into it. Yeah, I you know what I think the the commentary they did about race, like the scene after you know in the neighborhood where they stop Bucky and Falcon, and you know Bucky's like, "Don't you know this is the Falcon?" And Falcon handles it really well. I I thought was really great commentary to have. The bank scene was really great as well. There are parts I really did enjoy. Enjoyed the action of it. Oh yeah, and- I thought the action was top notch, and I loved. I do not remember who played U.S. agent. I can't remember his name. Um, But I thought he delivered extremely well, especially that uh, at the end of one of the episodes where he kills one of the Flag Smashers because they killed his best friend. I thought that scene, I remember, that's one of my favorite, like, last scenes to uh, that season or in that uh, show because it's just so, it, like, hits you. You're like, what the hell did I just watch? You literally watch someone who is like a U.S. figure or like supposed to be the next Captain America literally just murder this man. And it, it's probably the most brutal these shows kind of got, to be honest with you. I mean, because you saw that blood on the shield, too. And it's it's an intense, intense. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, what's his name? He's Kurt Russell's son. Um, yeah. Wyatt Russell? Is it Wyatt yes, Russell? Wyatt He's- Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason why I'm saying so much about Falcon with the shoulder. It's it's not my number seven. It is my next one on the list. Okay. My number seven is Loki. Ooh. I uh listen, my, I don't think Loki, Loki is my number six actually. So oh really? So look yeah. at that. So 
So um, Loki just gets where it's at on my list because I, it's not that I didn't think it was interesting. I think it was a little bit of a slow buildup. I only think it was towards the end where you were like, holy fucking shit. You know, when you had like Kang and like the timeline breaking and mm-hmm. Sylvie turned out to be a breakout star. It took a while for Sylvie to get there for me. Um, I love Alligator Loki. I love the variants introduced the idea of variants, which obviously played out in Spider-Man No Way Home. But um, ultimately, oh, I it just it took a while to get there for me. But graphically, it was beautiful. I thought it did. It, I thought, you know, of course, Tom Hiddleston does great as Loki. Owen Wilson did a very great job as well. And I love Sylvia as well. My problem was the ending for me because I love all this buildup. And you're just like, oh, who's this mastermind? Like, who's the big up and keep uh, behind TVA and everything? And then... I understand how these are all supposed to be connected and whatnot. And Kang coming at the end is very, very big. I love Kang as a villain too. I think he's a very underrated Avengers threat, but to have him come in all of a sudden just kills the total meaning of the story. Well, especially since he wasn't really him as a character, wasn't really foreshadowed in a significant way. Like they did with Thanos. Well, right. and if you're not a bit, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I think they did a great job in the finale with just literally, it's just 30, 40 minutes of King talking to Loki and Sylvie. Don't get me wrong. I think he, the actor delivered really well. And I think the writing to that scene did a really great job of explaining everything really well and kind of setting up what's coming up at the end. But it just, it was a show about Loki, Loki trying to figure out who he is. And like, there was a huge me- message behind that. But and then to all of a sudden just bring in this huge Avengers level threat into this show that we've never heard of before. And if you're not a big comic book nerd or just watch the shows and you don't know who King is, I mean, they, don't get me wrong. Like I said, they did a great job explaining who he is and how he can be threatening and and I thought the actor delivered every line really perfectly. It's just to bring him in all of a sudden, you're just like, okay, who the hell is this guy? You know? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, again, Jonathan Majors, hopefully we're going to see him in other parts of the MCU. I think he's rumored for Ant-Man and yeah. Wasp Quantumanium. Obviously, with the timeline broken, we can see him like coming some, you know, down the line. But they didn't... I agree with you. It's not like it was something that was... The, the sense of urgency of that kind of character wasn't well established. But I did think in the end though, you were like, you kind when you get it, you're like, oh, okay, shit. Like this is gonna have ramifications later on. For me, like I just think of like the train episode and then, you know oh, and it was kind of killer. And I didn't even honest I didn't even like it was cool for the episode before the finale, like with all the variants and stuff. But even like the, what only made that cool was the Easter eggs. Everything else in that episode didn't really do it for me. Yeah, I listen, I agree with you. And, you know, it's the build up was here and there. I think once we finally like when he got pruned, is that what they used to call yeah, it? Like yeah. when you got pruned? I think that's when stuff really picked up for me and I got really interested. But, you know, it's one of those things um, that let's see how season two plays out. And we'll see how everything plays out in like the larger MCU. Yeah. And who knows? I might change my mind later, but like I'm interested to see what season two would bring. Like, is it still going to involve King or like, I don't even know if they're filming or even if when it's going to come out. So let's just see. Yeah. Let's see. All right. I guess. Okay. So that was 
9876. So now this is our top five. Our top five. five. Yep. Okay. Our top five now. I am so curious to okay. hear your top five. My number five was Eternals. Ah, minus Shang-Chi. Your Shang-Chi is so low. <laughs> I, I think in relation to... Okay, let, let, let's talk about why you love Eternals and why it's... Or why it's top five for you. Eternals was great. I loved Eternals. Um, I'm probably one of the the few that really did. And I think it's just because we... And it's all because of Chloe Zhao, I think. Uh, she brought in 10 characters that we have no idea. And I think she did a really great job of describing their origin story, made them each distinct. I mean, the one problem is, is that not everyone got the proper screen time that they should have. Um, Cersei fell a little flat for me, and I think for a majority of others as well. Because um, I would have loved to see more uh, Makari and everything. And it's just, I think it was just a really fun episode, uh, not episode. It was a really fun movie, I thought. Uh, the Celestials were creepy as hell. Everything looked beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. On on, on why Shang-Chi is my number five. Listen, I think Shang-Chi was a great movie. I am so excited for the character. And I love, loved Aquafina in it so much. I love, I, I always want to say the character name is Kati because my mom is K-A-T-T-Y. It's Katie. Mm-hmm. But I loved Katie. I loved their 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 chemistry. I think it was very MCU formula driven. Yeah. And that's probably why it's not higher on my top five list. But that that's not a bad thing to do. I think it did so much for diversity and representation. I thought the story was beautiful. I think they had a good third act. That third act for mm-hmm. me was really good. I I was I, I don't I don't remember if we talked about it or how I felt at the time, but I don't I didn't watch that many trailers for Shang-Chi apart from like the major ones that came out. The whole third act with everything was a genuine surprise for me. So mm-hmm. I went in not knowing what was gonna happen in the movie and leaving pretty, pretty happy. You know, the 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 mid-credit scene with Wong, which I now we know he's the sorcerer supreme, so that's why he was assembling them. I thought it was with Captain Marvel and Hulk. I thought that was a little too hokey. I, It rubbed me the wrong way. I think there were too many jokes happening there. And I was like, listen, this is you're talking about that the, 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 the rings are acting like a honing beacon for something, homing beacon for something that's coming. Like, you just got over the Thanos threat. Like, is something bigger than Thanos coming? Maybe not the time to make jokes. And I don't know if it's maybe... I'm going to say something so contentious here. I don't know if it's because I really don't like Mark Ruffalo (laughs) as an actor, as a person, you know? Yeah. You know, like, I love... Like, when I tell you I love Brie Larson, when I tell you I love Chadwick Boseman, when I tell you I love Chris Evans, like, that is... Those are actors and characters I love. But, like, when I see Hulk... And I see, as portrayed by Mark Ruffalo, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Mark Ruffalo in interviews, Mikaya Pesau, like, he just looks a little weak. Like, he's so obnoxious in interviews sometimes, in my opinion. But let's all, that that is a hill I will die on. So I don't know if it it was Mark Ruffalo's delivery on things, but it just kind of soured that that, that scene for me. I'm sorry, don't hit me. Oh, I can't. But I would. Never mind. Um, (laughs) My number four is Hawkeye. Okay, mine is Eternals. Okay. Wow, look yeah. how different ours are. Yeah, this, is, this isn't like the what-if episodes where everything was the exact same. 
But yeah, I loved Hawkeye. I thought Hawkeye did a really great job. I was a little leery because I thought, because of course they were taking everything from the Fraction and David Aha run. I was afraid they were going to totally just like butcher it and ruin it. But I think overall, I think they did a great job. And I think what really sold it was Haley Steinfeld and Jeremy Renner's uh, chemistry together. I mean, they were able to make some, I mean, they introduced Echo and her origin story within 10 minutes in episode two and made me really care for her and her like heritage and just where she came from. I mean, they did, they did a great job with that. Um, the chemistry between Florence Pugh and Haley Steinfeld was great. I even think Kingpin delivered really well. It's the only downside is, is that it had too many balls up in the air to really fully have this finish up very smoothly, I think. But I think all the actors and actresses in it uh, delivered very well. And I had a fun time watching it. My, my number four is Eternals. And I'm going to echo exactly what you just said, which is they had 10 characters here. Um, you cared about every single one of them. I loved Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie in it. I thought that was absolutely wonderful. I, I, I think they can care the franchise. We've talked about this before. I think Cersei really does ruin the, the enjoyment of the movie just because I think she's such a lackluster character as compared to Selma Hayek, Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Macari, everyone. Like I just feel like all the other Eternals were fucking amazing and Cersei was kind of like the little more docile one. So, you know, that being said, it was a beautifully shot movie. It deviated from the MCU formula. I fucking love, love, love the graphics in it. And I, I'm excited for the future of it. And I want to see what they're going to bring us. The ending with Ersham grabbing Cersei and like, I'm just like when the, car, when the clouds like departed and stuff. Oof. Yeah. I am ready for Galactus. I, they, they fucking killed it. I am. I, the Celestials looked menacing to me. I'm, I'm 100% here for it to me. This movie just shows us what we could have in the future with something like Fantastic Four, A Secret Wars, A Galactus Story, whatever. I'm here for it. So, Do you have like that, a, a prediction or anything of how like if there will be an Eternals 2 or TV show or whatnot, like how that will ultimately affect the MCU at all? Or do you have I, any hopes at all? I think here's the thing. I don't think Eternals did bad at the box office given that it was a pandemic. So, you know, I... I think given the numbers, I think it would have been a moderate success how like Ant-Man was. And we know they keep turning out those Ant-Man movies because Paul Rudd is so fucking likable. But if I had to see, if I was Kevin Feige, I would note the criticism. I think it had the lowest like Rotten Tomato score out of all the MCU movies, which I think is so unfair. I really do think that is unfair. I do too. I love this. I love Eternals. I really think it's better than a majority of the MCU movies out there. Yeah, it does not deserve any of the hate that's gotten. And obviously, we're friends with Namor Cosplay, who is obsessed with it. So, well, you know. and then we also we read Jack Kirby's run too, and yeah. I think that really helped it as well. Because I know, and I've been reading Kieran Gillen's run and Asad Ribic's run currently, which I highly recommend you check that out as well. It's and so that gave me a lot of background and a lot of excitement for the show or the movie. 
Yeah, but my my guess is they're not they're gonna they're gonna proceed with caution with the Eternals. I do think them killing Richard Madden at the end and Selma Hayek was a serious misstep. This is what I'm 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 starting to get. Furious I think they're going to be. I think they're going to get resurrected though easily. Yeah, because they can resurrect them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But but this is in 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 general my note with the with the MCU that I'm getting kind of tired of. They're killing off so many interesting characters, you know, who are bad guys like Hela. And I know we can argue Hela is alive. But Thanos, you know, Kingpin, again, we can argue still alive. But, like, I wish they would just stop doing that and just move forward with these stories. Killing Thanos makes sense, of course, because that's the ultimate end to the whole Infinity Saga that the MCU had. But, yeah, stop killing people, please. Stop killing people. That's it. I just, you know, you, you introduce these. Stop killing these people after one movie. How about that? I think mm-hmm. Thanos, it's a reward. Or one episode. <laughs> or one episode, you know, like, it's just. Uh, but anyways, that's. I like Eternals. I hope we get more, but I think if I'm Kevin Feige and I have to, I'm in charge of his brand, I would proceed with caution. Does that mean an Eternals too? Does that mean they appear elsewhere? I don't know. I will say don't go into it panicking or proceed with too much caution. I think what's great with Eternals is that it's unique and get yeah. that uniqueness. That's what makes it so special in my eyes. So Agreed. 100% agree. Number three, WandaVision. Wow, Hawkeye for me. I love Wanda. I love WandaVision because WandaVision was such a unique take and such a shot in the dark by introducing, like, with the first two episodes being uh, I Love Lucy and stuff like that, or like the Dick Van Dyke show and stuff. Like, the first two episodes, I love the little sitcom stuff. I mean, you're like, what the hell am I watching? I don't know. I love it. What's this ultimately going to come to i don't know but i freaking love it they introduced monica rambo and did a great job and each episode was so goddamn unique and it was so it was so enjoyable i really think the ralph boner thing fell flat ultimately um and the finale was just a huge action action sequence but i think elizabeth olsen delivered beautifully in her emotions through each episode and everything was just so fun to watch i really think so and now that she's the scarlet witch and i love her new getup and especially seeing her new getup in the next doctor strange movie i'm really looking forward to what's in sword for wanda scarlet witch it's it was a really fun episode i or a really fun show i really loved it i obviously have things to say about wandavision <laughs> but i i will say why i put hawkeye's number three i thought when we were watching Hawkeye, I was like, this is going to be my number one. It's like Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, but with the Avengers. You know what I mean? Like, I was I was here for it. Ultimately, it does go to number three on my list. Because I, I just, as we discussed earlier in this episode, I don't think it stuck the landing. And again, I acknowledge that it's more of me having an emotional reaction as opposed to an objective reaction. But I think you... I think you articulated it way better than I ever could, which is there were a lot of balls in the air or a lot of arrows in the air. And, you know, nice. that was beautiful. And, <laughs> and it, not all of them hit the bullseye. So, I you know, like I, up until episode five, I thought it was perfect. I was so happy with the series. There was nothing more than I, I wanted to do. My dad became obsessed with this show. We drank like a bottle of wine or two a couple of nights ago. And my dad just played it all through to the point that I had to get new AirPods. I got the AirPods Pro because I have noise cancellation features. Yeah. So I could just sleep at night because my dad was like watching Hawkeye and he has it like blasting. 
And my parents' house is more of an open floor plan. So it just echoes like they have 20 foot ceilings. You could just hear everything, no matter where you're at in the house. But um, I think Jeremy Renner killed, killed it. I mean, Vera, I can never say her last name. Eleanor was absolutely wonderful. I love her so much. But for me, Haley, Haley stole the show. That's it. I'm so excited for Kate Bishop. Give me the Young Avengers. She needs to be the leader of the Young Avengers. That, yeah, that is, is fun. It just has to be that. She she just has that star quality. And I loved her so much. And I, I'm curious if they'll do a season two. That being said, though, I do want Haley in the in the movies as fast as we can we can get it. And her chemistry with Yelena, perfect. Just give me more. Just give me more Haley and Yelena. That's it. That's, That's all, all I, I want. want. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Give me mini sods. Do you remember when they used to do things called webisodes back in the early two thousands? Well, yeah, they even did that with the like the MCU had like those like little oh, yeah. and stuff. Like they had shorts. one with Agent Carter. Um, mm-hmm. They did one that. I think it, there was a lot that had Phil Coulson in, in it too, I think. So yeah. yeah. Give me more of yeah. those. Yeah. Give me more of those. Like I would love, like, I don't need an entire, I'm being facetious when I say I want an entire series, but like, I want some more like clips and skits with Yelena and Kate. Great chemistry. That's why it comes to number three. All right. So are you ready for my number two? All right. What's your number two? Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. I love Shang-Chi. I had a lot of fun. I think, I'm a little biased because this was the first movie I saw in theaters since 2019, but it, I really enjoyed it. I all the action in it and the choreography involved in this movie was like left me stunned in uh, amazement. Like I like I remember, especially the bus scene uh, with Aquafina and uh, I can't remember Shang Chi's actual name. Um, but uh, I did, yeah, just that entire scene was amazing to watch. Plus the music in it was so like perfect for that scene as well but everything overall was great i love the family dynamic between like just like how he's having trouble with his father everything the actual mandarin i could have gone without having the mandarin from iron man iron man 3 appearing um i think too much of him wasn't that great but i love the ending uh act three with all like the dragons and stuff that was fun but I loved, I ultimately loved the story. I, it was, I really enjoyed the movie. And, you know, with that bus scene that I loved so much about it is we've all heard those horrible racist comments that Asian people can't drive. Mm-hmm. And they fucking put Aquafina there. And not only could she drive, she fucking nailed it. And I did just think that like really did send out a positive message to like, stop spreading out so much hate and racism and i think it was so masterful that bus scene not only was it great cinematography and will it really well done but it had a good message behind it and hopefully that will like end that awful like racial stereotype well yeah. and and it did a great job with diversity too and stuff i really yeah. think too i it was just a really great movie i thought i loved it i really really did Hey, listen, it's in my top five for a reason. I thought it was such a great movie. I agree with what you're saying about Ben Kingsley. I believe that's his name. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I don't know why he was there. People were excited that he was there. I guess I was kind of excited he was there, but like ultimately I don't care. <laughs> it was a little too much, I think. Yeah. Um I mean, if he was in it just a little bit, I would have been fine with it, but he was in it a little too much within like the third act i think and it was just a bit too much i know he was there for like the comedian effect and stuff but it ultimately it kind of fell flat for me 
I loved it at first, but then it just kept on going downhill from there. Yeah, I think I think he was he just felt a little needless. I would have rather have them have someone else. But my number two is WandaVision. Yeah. And, you know, I, I rewatched WandaVision with my dad when I went down to Florida a couple of weeks ago for for my gig. And, you know, there was a lot of magic there. And someone like my dad was like, what's going on? I need to know the new what's going on here. Everything. I think WandaVision came at the perfect time in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we were all at home. We were craving content. And I think it, del- it, it it delivered on you wanting to speculate and put on clown makeup on where's Mephisto. I think ultimately it didn't quite land the plane. Like we should have gotten like a Mephisto level reveal. We should have got, I think Ralph Boner should have been a variant of her brother. I think, I wish they had played that. Maybe he will later down the line. I do feel there were some misfires there in WandaVision. However, the final scene with Agatha I the music, the sitcom style, Elizabeth Olsen, and that ending, you know, we'll say hello again. Oh my God. And we got the twins, we got Billy and Tommy introduced. And, you know, personally, I 2020, 2021 were really difficult years for me. And to watch a show about coping with grief and coming mm-hmm. to terms to with everything that's happened to you in your life, however unfair or you know how serendipitous life had 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 thrown whatever the life had thrown your way i thought it was really lovely to see that play out with wanda and you know i and power of x-men i give wandavision all the credit for giving the gas in our engine because we covered wandavision and we you know our engagement our community grew really quickly and even till the day, if i post a photo with wanda the amount of reach and like engagement a photo like that gets so i'd i'd I, I loved WandaVision for those reasons. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, before the pandemic, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to release first as yeah, a Disney Plus yeah. show. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise that they did WandaVision first because I think it showed the level of what the MCU was willing to go to with these shows and approaching not your typical action pack. Granted, it did, that's kind of how it ended, but to go to like the action packed non-stop fighting and stuff like that they just gave you sitcoms for like three or four straight episodes until they finally gave you like a not not a normal episode but to show you what's going on in the real world it took three or four episodes to finally get to that and so that's what's great with wandavision it's so unique i love the message behind grief and everything it's yeah i love that i almost it was almost my number two yeah, I mean, ultimately, it hits my number two. I played around with my number two and my number three a little bit, but I, I had an emotional connection to WandaVision, and I think a lot of us did. Whether you there, whether you liked it or not, people had strong feelings for it. And I, re- I remember I went to a place in Manhattan. I was furniture shopping the day after it aired, and everyone was talking about it. And this is like an upscale, like furniture store in in manhattan and there are these people dressed all in black very chic and they're like wandavision is a commentary on the sitcoms of the 50s i was like oh my god can i join this conversation now please (laughs) so it was it was it was timothy olton for our listeners who are curious but it i i really liked it i don't think it stuck as many with the landing as it could have i 
I'm glad it was number one. I'm forgetting there was a time in my life where I could have told you the order of the MCU movies coming out pre-pandemic. I think Black Widow was supposed to kick off Phase Four, if I remember correctly, and yeah, then it would have been Falcon the Winter Soldier. Yeah, because we would have had like a year after Endgame, like supposedly, yeah. like a, a year of nothing, you know. And like and like Valentina, I think was supposed to show off somewhere. There was supposed to be some kind of I because she it was showed up be, in, at the end of Black Widow, right? And then she was yeah. supposed to show up in. Falco and her soldier, and that's how like they connected of what's probably maybe supposed to be the Thunderbolts or something like that. But I think WandaVision going first for exactly what you said it way better. Again, you said it way better than I could. I think it showed it flexed a muscle. And I think mm-hmm. it deserves that because it did break the formula. And I think regardless of how we feel what landed, it did it did get people talking and it and it did do everything well. So mm-hmm. I I could rant about WandaVision. Uh, for a very long time. The only thing my regret with WandaVision is, do you remember the commercials? Yeah, yeah. There was this redhead girl in there called Victoria Blade. I reached out to her so much on Instagram, trying to get her on our podcast. And never, never heard from her, nothing. And I always wanted to, because I was obsessed, because I was convinced that they were going to be Wanda's parents. And in the end, because Victoria Blade, and I'm forgetting the actor's name, it was Victor something, because they never replied to me. That's it. They were forgotten after episode four. And this is what happens when you don't engage with people <laughs> who want to interview you, Victoria Blade. You end up being inconsequential. So that's it. Well, on that note, let's do number one. <laughs> I wonder why our number one is. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> yes, Spider-Man No Way Home. I was gonna like make a bad joke or something. It was flawless. Like perfect. Listen, this is a flawless movie. That's it. I have. I'm trying to think. The only criticisms I would give is that I I want it more. Same here. I mean, it's it's such a good movie. I mean, if you want to listen to it, I don't want to go into full discussion because I mean we talked about it for an hour last week. So, but it is it is so it's such a good movie. I. So I have I see clips every now and then like that people took on, on that took uh, recordings of at the theaters and every time I watch them with Andrew and Toby and Tom together I seriously get emotional and goosebumps every single time and that new suit at the end is so beautiful I just love the whole movie man I I love the whole movie everything I mean <laughs> my God when Andrew caught Zendaya falling and you know, he cried. That is probably one of my favorite, favorite moments. I, I loved it all. I mean, yeah, we talked about it last week. Dear listener, please make sure to listen to that because we have an entire love fest for it. You know, there's certain qualms I have here and there with it that we can talk about, you know, another time where you can just listen to that episode. But like, I just thought the movie delivered on multiple generations of Spider-Man movies I think it respected everything that came before while that's teasing what, I was, what could what, what teasing I was worried about could come. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because we've seen what happened to Luke Skywalker, <laughs> you know, in the in the in the Star Wars reboots, you know, or, or Star or Wars in general. Oof. Yeah, it just don't get me started on I, those. Yeah, I mean, thank God for the Mandalorian for trying to course correct Luke Skywalker, but we've seen what they do and like now we have rumors of Amazing Spider-Man 3 with Andrew Garfield. We have rumors that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield will return First in Secret Wars. Wars. <laughs> I know. Listen, give it all to me. And and we finally got 
you know, an origin story for Tom Holland. And let me tell you, the more I have, we were about in it, it the whole time. Just we didn't know we it were yet. in it exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the more I've thought about it, to be honest with you, the more that I just absolutely loved that May died. It was bittersweet. I don't know if I discussed it with you, but like I, it was uneasy because I love Marissa Tomei and I wanted her around for more. But mm. I was like, I just think of that scene because of the illegal postings on YouTube. Yeah. People just post it and I've seen it. But when she looks at Peter with great power, there must be great responsibility. Even the way she put her own spin on it in the dialogue, it was so nuanced and small, was just perfect. Yeah, perfect. I love it. It's perfect. perfect. It's all perfect. Perfect. I was emotional from the well. As soon as May died, I was emotional from then to the very end, and then I got emotional on the drive home because I was talking about it with my brother, and then I got home, and then I was emotional again because I was talking about it with my mom, and then I went to bed thinking about it, and I was emotional then, and so I've just been emotional ever since. Oh my god! So You're such a crybaby. My hey, goodness. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Spider, my very first movie that I remember ever seeing was, well, not I ever remember seeing, but one that had a huge impact on me was Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. And yeah. I've had, I mean, I can quote every single line from all three movies because, I mean, Spider-Man's a huge character to me. And I yeah. think they respected the legacy from before, what's currently the status quo, and what's to come. Yeah, agreed. It was... Listen, I was really happy with it. You know, I how about this? To offer some constructive criticism on this. You don't I didn't have like to do that. It's scene. number one. <laughs> it's number. I didn't like the mid credit scene. I didn't like the Venom thing. I hated the Venom thing. I thought, like, I, I thought I, it was I so pointless. That. It was pointless, and it doesn't make sense, and it adds a huge giant plot hole as to why Venom even was there. It's a plot hole, and I think they could have teased something a little bit bigger, but... You know, and then we just got the Doctor Strange trailer, which was great. Listen, I'm excited for Doctor Strange too. Was great, but I would have liked a little bit more of an in scene thing. But anyways, regardless, it's a flawless movie. That's it. It's flawless, 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 flawless. Loved it. And there is our ranking for the MCU content of 2021. You're welcome, Internet. We know you've been waiting for it patiently. Yes, I get so many DMs. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's our last episode for 2021. Thank you so 2021. much. 2021. Yeah, thank you so much for a wonderful year. I mean, we started this in what July. Yeah, I, you know, I I'm really grateful that we had met and our friendship kind of blossomed really quickly because I, you know, doing podcasts and like listening to other podcasts, it's really rare that you find someone you just jive with, mm-hmm. and not only jive with, but like you really want to talk to them about things. Like I have been so excited. I've told you this on tax. Like I woke up this morning and I put aside a lot of anxiety and I was like, you know what? Today's Apollo's birthday. I get to talk to Cole and then I get to spend the rest of the day at the beach. So like, I really like, I'm just so grateful for masters and we've been talking about next steps and I can't wait for those next steps to roll out. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're taking a break in January for like the first three weeks or so. Uh, we'll probably come back. Well, I would say the first week of February was when our next episode will, will air. Um, yeah, we're just taking a little break. Um, we just kind of needed a little breather. I'm taking a course in January for like the next three weeks and I need a lot of my focus on that. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we got some very big things, very, very, very big things that I'm excited to announce in the coming weeks. And all of it wouldn't be possible if you guys didn't listen to this show and yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you guys so much for engaging with us. We hope you have a really wonderful new year. Obviously there's so much going on with Marvel and DC and all of like the other comic book publishers that like, I'm just excited for 2022. It's a great time to be a comic fan. It is. It's a great time to be a comic book fan. And I just love talking about comic books. So I'm very thankful for the show and I'm very thankful for everyone that listens. I'm very thankful for my co-host Paul. Oh, I'm thankful for my co-host too. He's absolutely wonderful. I wonder who so. that is. Mm, Cole out. Cole out. All right, guys. Thank yeah, you thank you so, so much. much. Yeah, if you would like to follow us, please follow us on Instagram at Masters of Comic Books. Um, we also have a Discord of just a bunch of people that just talk geeky stuff. So if you'd like to join that, hit us up on social media and we will send you the invite for that. And if you want to email us as well, we are masterscombooks at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me, I'm ColeDaniel99 at Instagram. Paul, where and can I they am, follow you? I am at Power of X-Men on Instagram. And listen, I, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I've been doing the tweeting the and tweeting you know, <laughs> the, the tweeting of Twitters. And, you know, we've gained some decent engagement there. Uh, Power of X-Men has been on a break this week. My last interview with Lenore Zan. Beautiful interview, um, by the way. Aired. Thank you so much it's it's still it's up there but we'll return next week with uh, more age of apocalypse coverage awesome 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 so yeah thank you guys so much for listening to this last episode of 2021 or if you're just listening to this in 2022 it's just a regular episode but thank you so much <laughs> for listening and i hope you have a wonderful new year's Woo! bye-bye Bye,